This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. Uh, friends, good to be together with you. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Adam Veramontes, and I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic, and I have the honor and the privilege to open God's Word uh, for us this morning. Uh, before we do that, let me invite uh, any of our children aged kindergarten through second uh, that would like to participate in our children's program during the sermon. Uh, that's going to be available to you now. You'll meet uh, your teachers uh, back at the table back there, and then they'll be in the courtyard uh, just during the sermon. Uh, just by way of note for visitors, this is it's not an obligation. Children are always, always welcome with us in worship, but we do like to provide that learning uh, environment for some of our younger children. Well, uh, it, is, it is, again, uh, good to be together. God continues to uh, show up on Sunday mornings in our pretty, pretty spectacular climate that we have here. Uh, just by way of note, uh, we do plan to adjust our service time, uh, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we will we'll begin meeting at 10 a.m. So uh, for those of you that have been with us, that's kind of our normal time. Uh, so September 12th, just make note uh, that we're going to be shifting uh, the time uh, to 10 a.m. again. Well, we're going to continue in our series in the book of Exodus. If you've been with us for any amount of Sundays, you'll know that we've been kind of methodically working through a really large section of the Old Testament. Uh, It's titled Exodus. If you're new to the Bible, it is the second uh, book in our English Bibles after the book of Genesis. And we are, we're, we're kind of coming toward the tail end of this. And let me just give you a little map of where we're headed, uh, just so you know, if you, if you care to keep uh, track of where we're going. Uh, we've got uh, three more, I believe. Let me do the math here. Two more, three more Sundays in the book of Exodus. Uh, and then we're going to spend this fall uh, looking at the Beatitudes of Jesus. And so if you're familiar with the scriptures, these are... Uh, the teachings of Jesus that are uh, captured for us in the book of Matthew in his Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to just spend uh, week by week considering uh, the Beatitudes of Jesus. And I think that will be very formative for us as a people. And I think it could have deep and lasting impact on our church. So at least that's what I'm hopeful for. All right, this morning we're going to look at Exodus chapter 31. So if you've got a Bible, I'll invite you now to open that uh, to the book of Exodus. Uh, We are going to cover the whole chapter today, and I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the entire chapter, which is 18 verses. So let's give our attention to the reading of God's word, and then we will ask him uh, by his mercy to help us understand it. Let's uh, Let's read together. Exodus chapter 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft, And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan. 
and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils and the pure lampstand with all its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its stand and the finely worked garments the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place according to all that I have commanded you they shall do and the Lord said to Moses you are to speak to the people of Israel and say above all you shall keep my Sabbaths for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I the Lord sanctify you you shall keep the sabbath because it is holy for you everyone who profanes it shall be put to death whoever does any work on it that soul shall be cut off from among his people six days shall work be done but the seventh day is a sabbath of solemn rest holy to the lord whoever does any work on the sabbath day shall be put to death therefore the people of israel shall keep the sabbath observing the sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever it is a sign forever between me and the people of israel that in six days the lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed and he gave to moses when he had finished speaking with him on mount sinai the two tablets of the testimony tablets of stone written with the finger of god this is God's word. Let's ask him to help us to understand it through the preaching of it. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we uh, turn now uh, to the source of life that is found in your words. Uh, Lord, these words have been preserved and kept and given to us uh, that they might lead us uh, to understanding you more. I pray that um, our understanding of you today would not be primarily uh, intellectual or um, theological even in nature, Lord, but that it would be a very experience with the God who speaks. Uh, so, Lord, use my words. Uh, help me to communicate clearly to your people and give your people hearts uh, that would receive what you have to say today. We pray these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, well, we, uh, as a family, if, if, you, if you know, we've got some young boys that love uh, sports. We're a pretty sports-oriented family, and uh, youth sports have been challenging, to say the least, uh, during a global pandemic, but we have found uh, some unique ways to kind of stay active and, and those types of things. And one of those ways was we, uh, we were introduced to a, a, a basketball uh, trainer, coach kind of guy uh, last year. Uh, his name is, is uh, Jules Montgomery. He's a very large individual. Uh, he's got a, a, a ton of experience in, in basketball. He, he did some college Division One basketball, and he played overseas and, and did all that. Um, but he had, he had moved here um, from California. Uh, I'll have to fact check this, but I'm pretty sure he was following his, his girlfriend, fiance, who's from here. 
Uh, but he had moved here to kind of begin developing like a like a basketball program. And we met him last year during the pandemic, and he was primarily uh, working at local parks. So obviously all the, the gyms and the schools were closed down, and, and many still are. Uh, but he this guy was just meeting with kids in the local parks and, and offering some private training. And so we spent some time with him last year, and then we kind of lost track um, until recently – our, our past kind of reconnected through through the basketball stuff, and uh, you you may have seen this. He he was actually in the in the Albuquerque Journal here uh, this week. They did some write ups on him. He just recently secured a little little facility just down the road off of uh, Paseo, kind of or actually a little further down uh, Eagle Ranch, across from Costco. Uh, he secured uh, just this little you know two thousand square foot warehouse. Uh, that he would develop into his training facility. And so that's been going on for the past couple of weeks, and we've kind of popped in and out. And, and, you know, I work in this area, so I'm always driving in, and I kind of popped in to say hi. And, you know, his dad uh, was in town from California. He does construction, and he was helping develop this, you know, this, this training facility and kind of remodel it and, and all these things. And it was just – it was the coolest thing Watching this guy, he's, he's got to be, I don't know, he's probably in his mid to late 20s. This guy really just develop and invest uh, his entire life um, into this, this thing for our community. And, and what, I, you know, what I've come to realize through conversations with him over the course of the past few weeks is this guy just has really big dreams and desires uh, of using you know, basketball as, as an avenue or a resource to develop kids and to develop our community. And, and it's just been really neat watching someone just pour their life into this. I mean, this guy, you know, he's real active on social media. He's clocking in at 5 a.m. He's clocking out at 9 p.m., uh, although he did tell me he, he's taking like a power nap midday, kind of when the classes are calm or whatever. But, but just watching someone um, have their dreams come true. Like watching someone have this drive and this purpose and this significance uh, for their life. If you've, if you've ever seen anyone do that, it's, it's really inspiring. Um, the book of Exodus, if you've, if you've been here, um, you, you, you know that these people um, were, 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 were at this mountain uh, in the middle of nowhere in a land that they're, you know, this is new territory for them. And they're, they're having this developed relationship with the God of the Bible. You know, they're, they're, you know Yahweh is his name. He says, you know, you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. And so at this mountain, we see this relationship developing. And time and time again, uh, God continues to remind his people of their their significance in what he's doing in the world. The impact and the influence that God's people will have in the work that he's doing in the world. And, and for us, you know, some thousands of years later, you know, with, this, with, this, with these events, you know, recorded for us and, and open before us, I wonder how far removed you are from the vision that God has for the work that he could do in and through you in this world. Um, I think there's a common thread in all of us here. 
and I don't know all of you, um, so, but I can, I can confidently say there is a common thread in every person who's here today listening uh, to this, uh, that all of us have a deep-seated need and desire inside of us uh, to make a difference, to have an impact on the world, to have an impact on our relationships, uh, to have significance, purpose, and drive in our life. I think all of us have that inside of us. And the sad reality is I think many of us have lost sight of that desire. And if I were to be so bold, again, I know most of you, but not all of you, as to make a statement, I would say, you know, broadly speaking, I'm painting with a really broad brush here, but I would say most, if not all of us, are bored with our lives. That I would say, I, I would, you know, just a hunch that I, I think many of us have become um, so consumed with, with the daily tasks uh, of our lives and it has it is slowly lulled us to sleep. And I guess, I guess you know, the invitation for, for you to consider today is that, that God made you for more. That life is more than staying current on your HOA fees and, you know, clocking 50 hours a week and shuttling our kids from event to event to event and making sure we get the lunches packed and the books, bags put together. Life is more than the day-to-day activities, but it's not less than that. And so, you know, as we look at Exodus um, chapter 31, God continues uh, to show us um, that we that we were that we were made for more, and one of the number one indicators that you are bored with your life, here, like if there were like one kind of diagnostic thing that says like, am I really bored? Here's here's what I would say would be a top top of that list: busyness. The 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 life that is filled with distracted busyness, like frantic doing is the life that has probably probably been lulled to sleep. Like we've just got it on auto, right? And so as we look at Exodus chapter 31 this morning, um, and I, I, don't always, um, I don't always quote uh, Rick Warren in The Purpose Driven Life, uh, but if you remember that book, uh, Rick Warren in The Purpose Driven Life, probably the most memorable thing about it was the opening line. Um, and in fact, let me just let me just read the, the the quote here on the opening line of of Rick Warren's book. I've got it pulled up. He, he says this: "It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions." If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. And so Rick Warren, you know, in that shocking opening statement of his book that sold millions and millions of copy, he makes this suggestion. And and I want you to, to tie into this and what God's doing in Exodus chapter 31. 
you were put on this planet for God. And God, in his infinitely wise and eternally kind ways, says, I put you on this planet for me, and the only way you will live the life of fulfillment that you're looking for in all those other areas of your life is that if you'll live it the way that I'm inviting you to live it to. Two things I want us to draw out of this passage. It's, it's the who and the how. I want us to look at the who of God's work and then the how of God's work. So let's look at, let's look at the who of God's work. In chapter 31, two individuals are highlighted, Bezalel and Oholiab. And I spent, I spent a little time, you know, kind of part of preparing to, to speak uh, and teach on God's word is, is what we call exegesis. So you're kind of drawing out of the text what's there. And I was just kind of digging around. I thought, who are these individuals? These two men, uh, Bezalel and Aholiab, we, they, they're not mentioned again in the scriptures. So that they, they have no, you know, clout or influence. They're, 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 they're nobodies, really. But the significance of them cannot be underestimated. And what, what I've discovered uh, is that the significance of these people is tied to their family history. So if you notice in the text, it says Bezalel was from the tribe of Judah and Oholiab was from the tr- tribe of Dan. Let, let me do a little backstory on this family because this is, this, is, uh, this is the stuff you know, reality shows are made of. So I'm just going to spend a few minutes kind of giving some backdrop of God's people and how these two individuals showed up on the scene. So the, the Israelites were a people of three forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? Jacob was a twin. His brother was Esau. And if you're familiar with this story, in the Old Testament, Jacob was the one who was, quote, the deceiver. He's the one that pulled at Esau's foot and came out first. Uh, he, he was also the one who would steal his brother's uh, birthright, Esau and, you know, the hairy arms and, and the stew story. Remember that one? Uh, so Jacob is this one who comes from kind of a seedy history, right? He's, he's kind of one of those salty figures. And Jacob ends up having 12 sons. And, the, and, and this is where the 12 tribes of Israel come from. Okay, so Judah and Dan being two of the 12 tribes. Now, there is, there is something uniquely powerful in why God would choose Bezalel and Aholiab. So Bezalel, tribe of Judah, was one of Jacob's sons through his wife Leah. Do you remember this story? So Jacob, after stealing his brother's birthright, was ushered out of town uh, and went to his uncle Laban's land to work for him. Uh, while he was laboring for Laban, uh, Rachel caught his attention. So she was the, the pretty girl on campus, right? So Jacob, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, yes, Jacob uh, ca- ca- catches attention of Rachel. He wants to marry her. He serves for seven years to marry her, and then he's deceived on his wedding night, right? Uh, somehow, Leah, the older sister of Rachel, who has quote-unquote weak eyes, we don't know what that means, but... Let's be honest, she was the, the less attractive woman to Jacob. Uh, Leah is somehow put into Jacob's tent that night, and he's now married to her. And so he still wants to marry Rachel, and uh, so he serves another seven years to now marry Rachel. This is how they did it. They had multiple wives. And so Jacob is married to Rachel and Leah. 
And Leah is the one who is able to produce children, and Rachel is the barren one. So back to Bezalel and Oholia. Bezalel is the child, the fourth child, the fourth and final biological child of Leah, the, the, the weaker, the weak-eyed, less attractive, yet very fruitful woman. So, and, and the name Judah uh, means praise. So Leah names her fourth child praise. So this is, you know, this is the fruitful side of the marriage, right? Jacob's able to have children and carry his line on through Leah. Well, the, the other side of this story is Rachel. She's the one who can't have children. And so Rachel, you know, is, is full of envy and rage at Leah, her sister, who's able to have children. And so finally, she's at her wit's end, and she says, listen, Jacob, obviously, I'm not going to be able to give you children biologically, so I want you to have a child with my servant. So Rachel gives Jacob her servant, and they have their first child. And their first child, they named Dan, which means judged. So from these two lines, we get Bezalel and Aholiab. So Bezalel comes from the line of praise, and Aholiab comes from the line of judgment. And I thought, is there significance there? And I think there is, and here's why. What I think God is showing us in Exodus chapter 31 is the spectrum of our life, and the spectrum of our life is from judgment to praise. Right? So God is saying, I have selected these two individuals from these two family lines showing that whether you are on the, you know, the dark spectrum of judgment or the bright side of praise, you are eligible for my work. So what God begins to do in choosing these two individuals from these two family lines is saying, everyone is eligible. Everyone is eligible to do my work in my world. However, not everyone is qualified. Everyone's eligible. Not everyone is qualified. Uh, we're, we're, we got caught up in a, in a little reality show this weekend. It's called Titletown High, I believe. Uh, it's about high school football players in uh, Valdosta, Georgia, you know anything about football in the south it is a way of life and there's this 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 you know this is all shot during the pandemic there's this player uh from california uh who's a usc scholarship guy and he's entering his senior year and when california uh closed down because of the pandemic his family his dad moved him to georgia so he could play his senior year of high school football and kind of the first few episodes are this drama of whether this player is going to be eligible or not, or not. And he was deemed to be eligible to play the season. And so he plays the opening uh, game of the season, and they win the game, and, it, and it's great, and he's going to have a great senior year. But it comes to find out uh, that the, the terms of the eligibility were misunderstood. And basically, uh, I can't, can't spend all morning giving you the, the, the dramatics of this show, but basically... There had to be a bona fide move, what they called a bona fide move of the family, in order for this, for this player to play on a team. And before that bona fide move happened, which required his parents to legally separate, by the way, uh, they, they had legally separated, but they had moved 
and began playing before the parents separated. So they deemed it ineligible, and they got a forfeit on the first game. And here's the, the kind of irony, the thick irony of the whole thing, was even though he was deemed eligible but not qualified to play in that game, once the bona fide move happened, so what happened was the legal separation of the, of the parents happened legally, then they moved again to another town in Georgia. He was now both eligible and qualified to play. So they went through all these you know, schematics, legal you know, marriage separations, just to make this one player eligible and qualified to play the season. Um, what, what, what God does in um, both Bezalel and Oholiab is he says, not only are you, is everyone eligible, but here's what must happen for you to be qualified to do my work. You must be spirit-filled. Did you catch that? It says that, that uh, they filled, he was filled with God's spirit, also ability and intelligent, intelligence, and knowledge and craftsmanship. But the spirit-filled part is the very first time in the Bible where someone is told that God's spirit is inside of them. It's the first occurrence. And so what we know about that is in order to be not only eligible, you're all eligible, but in order to be qualified to do the work that God wants to do in your life, you must be full of his spirit. And to be full of his spirit, you must be empty of yourself. So here's what the scriptures teach time and time again. The people that God will use must have this boundless trust in him. There must be this this sense of nobodiness to yourself if you're interested in being used by God in the highest, highest ways. And so God chooses these two individuals and he says, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you, uh, whether you're from the line of judged or you're from the line of praise. If you are filled with me, I can use you. And the only way to be filled with me is when you're emptied of yourself. So let me just kind of wrap this first point of the who up by saying this. If you have any interest in being significantly used by God in the world, you must relinquish control of your life. You know, you must stop white-knuckling all the plans that you have for yourself. You, you know, this will, this will require potentially everything from you. Um, but, the, but the beauty of it is, is that if, if you are interested in that, uh, God can and he will work through you. So let's look, let's look then at the how of it. How does he do this? So if, if, if that's the who... You know, if you want to discover, you know, your purpose, you know, it's been said, I don't even know who to give credit to, but it's been said before that your two, uh, the two greatest days of your life are the day you're born and then the day you discover why you were born. So if, if you have interest in that today, if you want to know, like, why was I, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Uh, let's look at the how of God's work. I've already mentioned it, but, uh, you know, he says, 
I've filled up these two individuals and all able men with ability. So, and, and that's not just men. That would be women too. So all men and women were, were actively involved in what God was doing uh, in this work of building uh, the tabernacle. Uh, they're filled with ability, intelligence, knowledge, and craftsmanship. Okay? And so what, what, what God is saying is everyone has something to offer to the work I'm doing. Everyone. You know, it's been said, you know, there's, there's only one of you, right? Everyone else has been taken. But God has uniquely, um, uniquely designed you to function in some way in this world. And part of us is to discover what that is. Um, I'm being, uh, I don't know, maybe coached is a little strong word, but I'm, I'm meeting regularly uh, with a friend here uh, to, to kind of be uh, guided in, in how to lead our, our church forward right now. And he's a, you know, he's a human resource guy for a, for a major company, uh, and he, he's just an organizational monster. Like he just knows how organizations run and what leaders need to be doing and not doing. And, and every time I meet with him, uh, he always leaves me with you know, thought-provoking questions that I'm supposed to be pondering and praying and, and thinking about. And the, the one he left me with uh, this past week uh, was Adam. He said, you know, we're, we've been talking for a while now about, you know, what, what, what we're going to be doing and some leadership stuff and all this stuff. And he says, Adam, here's what I want you to, you know, think about until we meet next time. He said, Adam, what are some things that you are currently doing that other people should be doing? And, you know, if you know me, um, I'm, I, I tend to be of the stripe of like, you know, I just, I just want to do it all kind of got that Superman mentality and that has, that has worn me uh, ragged in the past. And so he, he just got me stewing on some of that. Like what, what are things that I do that, that, you know, others should probably be doing. And I I won't spend the rest of the morning, you know, listing that out for you. Um, But there, but there were a number of things that just popped at the surface that I said, you know, I'm spending time on this and there are plenty more gifted people around, uh, you know, particularly in our church around that could be doing this. And so he's just got this, you know, I've got this list stewing. And, and here's, here's, you know, this is what God's doing in, in Moses. So Moses, you know, they raise up these two individuals because this is not Moses' job because it's not Moses' gift. Like he's not an artist. He's probably not the handy guy of the Israelites, right? Like there are much more capable, gifted, skilled people uh, in these hundreds of thousands of people that are building the the tabernacle and and God is saying hey let's let's uh let's do the work through the people who have this skill set so i, I kind of on this point of of how God does work i I kind of want to land this in a really super practical type of way like i I want you to like be scanning through your own life thinking like you know if i'm going to discover why I was made. Uh, how do, you know? How do I do that? What does that look like? And so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of throw out some some practical stuff. And 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 as I'm doing this, there's like two paths that this could go down. Uh, rather than paths, think of them like circles. Like all of what God is doing in your life is is what God is doing in the world. It's really big and really broad. 
So this applies to your work life, your hobby life, your home life, your spiritual life, like all of what God is doing in the world through you is, is the big thing. But I'm going to kind of hover like in, in church world. Like what does it mean for God to work through you in the local church? And specifically, particularly if, if Mosaic is your home, what, what does it look like for God to work through you at Mosaic? And I just kind of want you to, sh- to sift through that. So, I mean, let me just start with like the low-hanging fruit, right, like of the artists, right? Like that's who Bezalel was. He was an artist. He was a craftsman. I was out – we were out at, down in Corrales. Uh, Courtney, uh, Courtney Paws had a, her little wood table, Oakenwell, out there. And it's like you see an artist's work. Um, and it's so underappreciated, but like you see someone you know that does work like that, and you're like, you, you know, like that is gift, right? And um, so, like, there are artists. You, there are artists here, and so whether that is, um, you know, through and one of the things that popped up on my things I'm doing that but should not be doing list right now is website design. Like I'm spending time spinning my wheels trying to figure out what, and I'm like. There are people that understand website so much better than me <laughs> and know what, you know, functionalities we should be looking for and know what it, you know, all the ins and outs. Now, I'm not doing the code or the design, you know, we're, we're paying somebody to do that. But like, like there are some of you that, that get website stuff. Or maybe you're just, you know, like you're a photographer. Like you just, you know how to capture life through a lens. Like th- there's, there's that. Uh, you know, you know, maybe maybe you're just like a, a technology guru, like you just you get you get all the all the stuff we're doing up here, or you know you you get all the you know all the algorithms of social media and you help us kind of have a presence there, wh- whatever whatever that looks like. I mean, there's all kinds of avenues of artists. I mean, there, I know there's musicians. I know some of you can sing. Um, I know some of you can play instruments, but like to use to use particular giftedness uh, to bring people close to God is what is, is the how of God's work. Maybe, maybe you're just more of a skills kind of person. Like, you know, that, I mean, that's, you know, that's who Aholiab was. Aholiab was a guy who was, you know, he was the one that was going to kind of organize and orchestrate all of the building of this stuff. Um, and so, you know, we're not, we're not building a physical tabernacle like like the israelites were but we're building something here and building something here uh, requires skills like spreadsheets like i know i know there's someone out there who just geeks out on spreadsheets like the bane of my existence and jack domino will actually tell you this anything to do with the spreadsheet like i run from it so i know that's not what i should be doing but some of you just like geek out on that like you can get into the to the cell box and put the formulas with the figures and, and like you can just totally geek out in that area. But like that is a gift. That is a skill set that will help us build what we're doing here. Um, you know, others of you, uh, you know, maybe you have uh, like a security type of mindset. Like you're just always scanning the room for safety and you're thinking about children and all the moving parts. And like some of you just have that makeup in you to protect and to secure things. That is a, a unique skill set that the church needs. 
or, or maybe, you know, you see our uh, monthly, we send out a monthly e-newsletter, MailChimp, right? So if you're on our mailing list, you'll get that. And we're, we kind of piece that together as a, as a staff team and a bunch of us contribute. But maybe some of you look at, at our MailChimp and you're like, you know, we could do some really neat stuff with this and, you know, have, you know, links and videos and do, do different things. And, and like all of that, um, that is how God works through the unique skills, gifts, and callings of individuals. That's how he builds his work on earth. And the work that the Israelites doing is, is identical to the work we're doing in so many ways. And by identical, I, I don't mean, you know, we're, we're constructing a, a, a project here. Uh, but by identical, I mean that the, the purpose is the same. And the purpose was this that people might experience the presence of the living God. That's what the tabernacle was. How do God, how do, how does the world come into contact with God's presence? And the way God meets the world with his presence today is through the work of his people and the presence of the local church, God's body on earth. And so, you know, I say all those things because I want you sifting through your life saying, like, am I bored, you know, just flipping the files of my life, you know, doing the categories that I do, kind of going event to event, day to day, week by week. And, 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 and am I interested in discovering more? Uh, Frederick Beekner, uh, he was, I actually just found this out. He was a Presbyterian guy, but he wrote some books. They're, he's kind of mystical type of writer. Uh, he, he had this great quote in one of his books. I think, it's, I think it was The Sacred Journey was the name of the book. And he said, he was talking about how to discover kind of your why, your purpose. Like, how do I discover? And he had this great memorable uh, quote uh, that the, the coyotes will now strum into play for us. That's nice. Uh, he said this. He, said, he uses the word vocation, but like when by vocation, like you're calling, like what are you supposed to be doing with your life? He said this, your vocation in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. Where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. All of you are eligible for the work that God is doing in the world. And some of you are qualified. And as I bring this, I kind of bring this to a close, and here's, here's how I want to do it. I want to ask, why does, why does the author, who we assume is Moses, why does he insert the Sabbath here? I read that, and I'm not going to re-preach the Sabbath. You can go back and listen to that from the commandment uh, portion of the preaching. But why is that here? So to this point, we've seen these large sections of God describing and prescribing how this tabernacle would be built. And then in chapter 32, we're going to see that, that infamous incident of the, the forming of the golden calf. But right in the middle is this little insertion about the Sabbath 
and the severity of breaking it. And here's, here's why I think it's there. One reason is it's, it's a literary uh, device that Moses uses because prior to this, there are six sections of, of literary comment on building the tabernacle. And then the Sabbath is the seventh section. So the Sabbath principle, work six, rest one. So it's a literary device that's used um, to kind of reinforce the creation order, right? God, God says work six, rest one. But, but, but even more than a, than a literary device, I think this is, this is a theological device because what God is doing is he's saying, listen, the substance of the work of building the tabernacle and the substance of the day of the Sabbath are found in a person. So these old shadows, these, you know, these foresights of a, of a mobile building and a day that's set apart to rest are meant to lead you to the person and work of Jesus Christ. That what God is saying is, if you want to discover your why, if you want to know why I put you on earth, it is for this reason. It is to be close to my presence and to find deep and lasting rest in it. If you want to know why God would make you the way he made you and put you on this part of his globe, it is to be worked in and through and to find deep and lasting rest. And so I'll just close with, with these types of thoughts for us this morning. The, the first is, have you discovered that? Like I, I just, I'm certain, you know, we're not, a, we're not a mega group here, but we're a large enough group where I, I think there are some of you who have spent your entire existence trying to find out who you are and who you were meant to be and you've been looking in all the wrong places and God through his scriptures is whispering to you, I'm here and I am your purpose. That you do not exist for yourself, but you exist for me. And that can be terribly bad news if the way you hear this sermon is this. Now go and work and show yourself worthy of that. Because here is the unique message of Christianity, and this is for everybody. The unique message of Christianity is that the way to get close to God is through the work of someone else. The way to get close to God is through the work that Jesus Christ came and exercised for you. So if there were, if there were ever good news for us to end our day on today, and we, we will end our day on this today, the good news is this. The who of God's work is the person of Jesus Christ. For those who feel judged or feel praise. Jesus Christ has made everyone eligible for his work. And then the resolve, the response, you know, the, 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 what, the action that we take is the day of Sabbath. 
And what is the day of Sabbath? It's a day of utter trust, relaxation, and rest. Because here's what some of you think Christianity is. Intellectual assent to doctrinal truths. And, and Christianity became an intellectual exercise in the Enlightenment. But the roots of Christianity is for you to trust. It's for you to fall on the work of Christ. It's for you to look at the day of Sabbath and say, this is the day that God said it is complete. The work is finished. So Mosaic, as we kind of rebuild, retool as a church, this is the work that we're doing for people to experience what it means to be close to God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Would you consider that an invitation for two things today, to both be involved in what God is doing here and then to find deep and lasting rest in what Christ has already done for you? It's incredibly good news for the judged and the praised. Let's pray together. Father, we sometimes just get lost um, in our day-to-day, the hustle-bustle, the commutes, the work hours, the bills, all the things. But Lord, I pray now that, that that you, by the work of your Spirit, would work in your people in such a way uh, that we would discover why you put us here, how you've wired us, and what that might look like to be involved in what you're doing in both the world and in your church. So Lord, please help us. Unless you would intervene, Lord, this would make no difference in our lives. So Lord, please, please be active. Help us to have understanding as to where you're at work and how we can be involved. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This is the Sermon Podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 